This week we're talking about Blue Origins NS19. The original six went to space and came back. Solar wind may be spreading life around the universe. The Parker Solar Probe has touched our sun's corona. James Webb Space Telescope is launching on Christmas Eve. Let's do this thing. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Today in Space, the All Things Space podcast. I am your space science podcast host from the East Coast, Alex Giafano. It's a lot of words. It is the week of Christmas. We're recording this here on December 19th. It's our third episode of December. We should have one more out before the end of the year, including the uh, December 14th, uh, December 24th, Christmas Eve morning launch of the James Webb Space Telescope. So I think coverage starts around 6, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, they're launching from French Guiana on an Ariane 5. So uh, around, I think it's 7.15, I believe. But regardless, uh, it will be live uh, on the broadcast. And we will be uh, brewing up some coffee and we'll be in some Christmas gear. And we're going to try to go live uh, obviously, assuming everything still goes well, we are knocking on wood for the James Webb Space Telescope and all the teams and space programs. We've got ESA, we've got the Canadian Space Agency, we've got NASA involved in this, uh, and it's going to be an astronomical wonder. It just has to get to space, so we're very excited for that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what specifically James Webb Space Telescope is going to be able to do for us and like how is that different from Hubble so we'll we'll close this week's episode out on that uh, to start we'd like to join in to discuss Blue Origin we've got to talk about that mission and our, our thoughts about that we've got the Parker Solo Probe which uh, just touched the corona launched in 2018 we talked about it here in the podcast um, we're going to talk about what it did there and then there's a uh, uh, research the paper that we came across that is a really interesting hypothesis and basis for how solar wind might be wetting objects across the solar system uh, one of the original Hayabusa missions so we, we, we will just talk about all of that in just a second here uh, before we start uh, we just want to say thank you to everyone who listens to this podcast subscribes uh, shares this podcast with others tells people about what we're doing here and we really appreciate you um we uh for some folks out there who follow along on twitter uh today in space pod uh or my twitter at el greco e-l-g-r the number three c-o uh we were giving away some of gary v's uh new books uh 12 and a half and uh we've got some of those going out to podcast listeners so thank you guys for playing along sharing what you thought about some I think we, we did something about the planets, and we did something about uh, why science is important to you. Uh, what, what does it tell us about the world around us? So uh, thanks, everyone, for doing that. Um, we've got those books shipping out. Uh, that's a really cool experience I'll talk more about on the podcast, what Gary Vee did with this book. It involves NFTs. It involves uh, a lot of stuff for the upcoming future, so we're trying to stay uh, just in that world a little bit so that we have at least something we have an experience to discuss about it when it comes here on the podcast because it, you know 
the way cryptocurrency and technology is moving, all of the stuff will move together with space as space progresses. At least that's our hypothesis here on the podcast. And so we want to stay at least conversational in, in, in the ideas. You know, there's, there's not enough time in the in the day, never mind our lives, to, to become experts in everything. But if, uh, you know, we can find some people to talk about it, if I can share an experience. So that would be very interesting. Uh, I don't know if anyone's been following uh, Gary V's V Friends project, but uh, there's Discord. I, I'm I'm doing my research. I'm watching along. And, and with this book, there's an NFT that comes with this, the book games NFT. So um, part of the book games is to when you bought those copies uh 12 copies i believe it was to get an nft um part of this first step is like give away the books and then give them away on for free on social media uh so pretty pretty cool stuff we're gonna talk about more about like what we expect from 2022 and closing out the new year we'll have that the week after christmas uh, the week of new year's we'll have that episode we'll maybe talk a little bit more about the balance and um definitely really hope that all you folks out there uh, around the planet that are listening uh it's a crazy thing to say but it's true um thank you guys for spending your time here on the podcast and we wish you nothing but the best this year i know everyone's going through something uh right now the, the world is crazy our lives feel like they're they're three times the speed and rate uh, at least, um, but just be good to yourself. I mean, I've, I mean, we're not recording video this week because it was just too much work. Uh, life is very busy. You know, there's, there's a lot of things going on, but you know, for me, this podcast is kind of like my own <laughs> mental health, uh, break. It seems weird, but, um, this podcast is, is huge in, in, in just helping me gather focus and, the the three things that we well four things that we wanted to focus on this week were uh you know last week uh, blue origin launched ns19 which was the 19th new shepherd mission um it was suborbital as we've discussed before right above the carmen line uh right at the edge of space and that was december 11th it was originally scheduled for december 9th it got delayed but the Crew of six included Laura Shepard Churchley, daughter of the first U.S. astronaut, Alan Shepard, uh, and Michael Strahan, Hall of Famer, uh, New York Giants defensive end. Uh, you had, uh, you know, he's obviously co-anchor of Good Morning America. Dylan Taylor, uh, the these are the paying passengers. Dylan Taylor, investor Evan Dick, Lane Ventures, founder Lane Bess and his child Cameron uh, and Cameron Bess became the youngest American the first pansexual person as well as the first furry to fly in space I did not know that uh, interesting uh, this is this is Wikipedia so uh, go figure but hey there's a first for everything so uh, NS19 um, the mission patch was uh, featured the initials of Glenn DeVries, who died uh, in a plane crash uh, a month after flying on Blue Origin's NS-18 with William Shatner. Um, this mission was in honor of his memory. Um, there's been a, there's been a lot of the, I've I've caught myself getting really involved into these missions. It's 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 sad that there's there's loss of life, but um, 
I really had a good morning watching this mission. We were we were on Twitter, um, sharing what we were seeing, and it was nice. It, it was a really nice mission. It was cool to see Blue Origin go out there with their Rivian trucks. You know, I like that both Blue Origin and SpaceX they both have electric cars involved at some point of the human aspect, whether it's recovery in the case of Blue Origin or going to the launch pad like it is for SpaceX. Um, so very interesting mission. There's for with six people on board that capsule, the New Shepard capsule. Uh, I I don't know if there's enough room for for how much room you would want to be able to look out all those windows and and float around in space. I mean, you only have a short amount of time actually at zero G and at those heights and views. That six people. I don't know, man. That just feels like not enough room at all. We saw how how tight it was with just four people. You know, I, I think back to Wally Funk. Wally Funk, I've, I've had people send me the, these articles talking about this too whenever we talk about Blue Origin. Um, that Wally Funk said that, you know, there's not enough room up there. She she wants to be able to, to really enjoy Zero G. And uh, I... I, I couldn't agree i mean i think it's just a limitation of where they are today with blue origins orbital reef that could be a very interesting uh they they could do some really interesting stuff for your experience in zero g um let's let's see what they do here in the future but uh i'm looking forward to more of these uh, new shepherd missions uh, it'll be interesting to see who else they bring on board but it was really good to see Michael Strahan uh, on there. There was a really good moment after everyone came back. There were some good discussions. Uh, and, you know, uh, Laura Shepard Churchly, like, her uh, hearing her talk with Michael Strahan about about everything, it, it was just, it was so cool. Um, and even what she was talking to with Jeff Bezos. So there's a lot of really magical moments happening here with human space flight. It's, it's really nice to see. Uh, moving on, let's talk a little bit about our sun. Our sun is so focal in life as it exists. It's, it's, it really is kind of a miracle that we live in this moment of time in our solar system's development where we have the planets that have pretty much carved out great clean orbits for all, for, for this planet. Uh, and we have Jupiter that's uh, constantly uh, shielding us and the inner planets uh, from things coming outside of our solar system. And it's just amazing that we have life on this planet as we do. As crazy as it is here, it's amazing we even have life at all. And one of these articles came up on my feed that was saying that solar wind and space dust may explain the presence of much of Earth's water. And so it's this research paper. Uh, it's an international team of researchers. They studied the dust from an ancient asteroid and found that the solar wind, which is charged hydrogen particles streaming out of the sun, could have combined with the space dust on this asteroid to create water, have a reaction, you know, hydrogen combining with something that has oxygen and then creating H2O, uh, which on that asteroid which then would have traveled to earth giving uh the initial amounts of water in that initial formation 4.6 billion years ago so what they were saying and this article quotes it i'll go to the study in just a second we'll, we'll, we'll read the abstract 
but sorry, I drink of water. Uh, our results suggest that somewhere between 50 and 75 percent by mass of the water on Earth needs to come from solar wind water in order to match or reproduce what we see in the Earth's oceans, said Hope Ishii, uh, one of the authors of the paper. You can imagine that when you pour yourself a glass of water, about half of that is actually coming from sun plus rock. So uh, this study took, uh, they researched the samples from the asteroid called Itokawa, uh, was collected by the Japanese space probe Hayabusa in 2010. They used high-tech imaging system called Atom Probe Tomography to take a detailed look inside the asteroid dust, measuring the atomic structure one atom at a time. In these dust grains, they found a significant amount of water. Uh, and this is all. This is from an article in uh, CBC Radio, Quarks and Quarks. Uh, the author is. Tinder at wall um, but so if you go to the research in nature astronomy the abstract the title of the paper is solar wind contributions to earth's oceans the abstract states the isotropic composition of water in earth's oceans is challenging to recreate using a plausible mixture of known extraterrestrial sources such as asteroids and additional isotropic topically light reservoir is required. The sun's solar wind could provide an answer to balance Earth's water budget. We used atom probe tomography to directly observe an average one mole, uh, one mole percent enrichment in water and hydroxyls in the solar wind irradiated rim of an olivine grain from the S-type asteroid Itokawa. We also experimentally confirmed that H- plus irradiation of silicate mineral surfaces produces water molecules. So that interaction of the positive hydrogen atom hitting the regolith, the soil of the asteroid, uh, this silicate mineral surface, the these results suggest that Itokawa regolith could contain 20, 20 moles to the third wow i don't know what that is my chemistry folks uh just because i'm an aerospace engineer does not mean that i know chemistry <laughs> but uh they're saying there is this amount of solar wind derived water a measurable amount and that such water reservoirs are probably ubiquitous on airless worlds throughout our galaxy so basically there are potentially if it's if it's found on this one asteroid itokawa's regolith then there's these other water reservoirs that have happened from them being exposed to solar wind that when there's no air this reaction can happen and throughout the galaxy there are all these things containing water and the production of this isotopically light water reservoir by solar wind implantation into fine-grained silicates may have been a particularly important process in the early solar system potentially providing a means to recreate earth's current water isotope ratios so pretty re really interesting stuff to think how much life comes from the sun and a solar system and the conditions that need to be there for the actual life to occur for 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 the chance for one of these asteroids one of these bodies 
that has water that's reacted from this silicate mineral on the surface the the solar wind hits it chemical reaction happens and then you make and produce water molecules it happens to hit a planet in the middle of its development and then somehow like our planet you can make up the difference of how much water there would have needed to be where it didn't like dry up or disappear or wasn't able to uh, handle the harsh conditions so all of these things may be necessary if we're going to look for life in another place and, and figuring all this stuff up learning about the sun and our sun and the conditions that our solar system has to make life is important for us to search for life like us right and uh, the Parker Solar Probe is a mission uh, bringing it all back around the Parker Solar Probe is a mission launched in 2018 that was sent to help us understand better uh, the sun. You know, go and touch the sun's corona. Uh, basically, the first, the upper atmosphere of the sun where you are, are literally touching the sun. So the, the Parker Solar Probe we did that in August of 2021, earlier this year. And... It's huge in many different ways. It's amazing that we're able to build a spacecraft with a sun shield that could get this close to the sun and still be able to send back images and, and, and a video of, of what it's doing, never mind the data that it's gathering on board. And this gives us a much better, like if, if we're talking about sun, the health of our sun and our solar system, you know, these early readings, this is really important to understand, to start tracking the, the cycles of the sun at this early, you know, this closer, as close, literally, as any other spacecraft has ever gotten before. So the Parker Solar Probe is, there's, there's this thing that it's discovered in 2019. It's something called these striking magnetic zigzag structures in the solar wind. So like the solar wind, as it comes out, it does this little like Harry Potter bolt movement uh called switchbacks uh and it seems like they happen uh, a, a lot and it seems like they increase as you start to reach the corona and so uh at in, in august it finally got there they weren't sure exactly where it was this has been like predicted that this this did exist and now the parker solar probe lets us actually test that and they found it so uh, that's that's pretty amazing. We're going to learn more about it, what's going on there. It looked really chaotic. We posted a, a reel of the actual footage that came back from the Parker Solar Probe, and it looks it looks like you definitely would not want to be there. Uh, you, you're just seeing what looks like particles and plasma shooting out, literally seeing the wind of uh, the sun and through, through whatever uh, filter of information that they had. It looked like it was just video. Um, you could see the Milky Way as it was turning, as it was going farther out in its orbit after the flyby. Uh, there's a lot of really fascinating stuff going on. I know we said that a lot this week. That's kind of my like line. <laughs> uh, but it it's this was a really cool week for sun research. There's a lot that we're doing, and and it's cool to see these missions that we talked about years ago finally get to the point in there you know, in their scientific progress where we get to then come back to it and say, oh, what are we learning this time? Uh, and this is the first stage. The The spacecraft is really where it's supposed to be. Um, and the James Webb Space Telescope is encapsulized. Wow, this is the second episode I've had a timer go off. 
that's <laughs> that that is me uh doing some behavioral techniques to help with uh, uh dopamine release and uh moderation uh to counteract my attention with ADD ADHD so um I need to do better about not doing this when a timer is going to go off. But when you hear those, that's exactly what that is. Uh, 20 minutes has been really good, but like 40 minutes also works pretty well. And that's the amount of time I'll set myself to do a single thing. And then I move on to the next thing in the next 20 minutes. It's It's been really nice. Um, I've definitely noticed that uh, it's made a nice positive difference. So more things that I'm going to be learning and uh, and, and, and sharing as, as, as anecdotal for, for what's working for me as more as just a, you know, Hey, if there's, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. I'm obviously the Huberman lab podcast is where I'm getting most of this info. I guess that's what, it, that's what I wanted to share is you should not be really taking the information from me. Just knowing that the information I got from the Huberman lab, lab podcast, um, I've been applying it and, uh, it, it's been working. So that's just pretty cool. Um, when you just get to use scientific information and you test it and uh, yeah, I, I live for this shit. So the Parker, no, the James Webb space telescope is loaded and ready to launch December 24th from the French Guiana aboard an Ariane five. It's uh, well, I'm saying oh, a lot this, this episode, I apologize. Like I said, it's been a very long, very long week. Um, but the James Webb Space Telescope is going to unlock a, a whole new perspective of our understanding of where we came from. So for those that may not know, the farther that you look uh, into space, you, like you're looking back in time because the thing that you're looking at, the light that you're seeing from that object had to travel a certain distance light years right and how many light years it took for that light to get to you to your eyes is like that's not what it is where it is currently right you're looking at what it was and so it's at a totally different place and so we were able to with the Hubble Space Telescope look back to a really great uh distance to the early some early first galaxies right we got a glimpse with with chandra deep field um of the first galaxies uh the the age of the universe really really long time ago one one billion years to 0.3 billion years four hundred thousand years is is what is the microwave cosmic microwave background and james webb space telescope hopes to bring us to see where the first stars were formed. So then we get to trace the evolution of galaxy formation and even better look at, you know, all the, all the metaphorical dice were rolled after the, the Dark Age and after the Big Bang. How did it all settle? How did it all develop? And then we can take those predictions of those things that we see and look at different areas of the universe to see where else life like us might be or or look for other specific things maybe there's other galaxies that we want to research we'll have a better idea of where to look we'll be able to study star and planetary system formation we'll be able to characterize exoplanetary systems and look for possible signs of life and 
observe, like we said, some of the earliest stars that formed right after the Big Bang, right? Right after things cooled, after the massive inflation and expansion of the universe. And then how did things settle? That's that's what we're going to see the very beginnings of. And that that is a huge jump in what Hubble Space Telescope and Chandra have already shown us. So it's a very big launch. It's a, it's going to be a very big day. <laughs> uh, New Year's Eve, no, sorry, Christmas Eve, December 24th in the morning. Look out for us. We'll be trying to go live on our Facebook page, Today in Space Podcast. Uh, my voice is going, folks. I think that's the end of this podcast. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, always hanging in there with us and sharing the episodes and letting us know what you like, following us on Instagram. We have a lot of fun with you guys there. Uh, on Twitter as well, um, Space Twitter is one of the more enjoyable things, probably the, one of the only enjoyable things uh, that I like about Twitter, and <clears throat> that's a lot of fun there, and I hope that you uh, take care of yourself, take a few moments to to, to just, I don't know, de-stress or do something. Um, that, I'm, I'm trying to do that myself, I'm very bad at that, that's part of the reason why I'm saying it out loud. Um, but also, you know, hey, be good to yourself. You're 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 human being. You're alive on this planet. This crazy rock flying through the universe. Um, you're here, so be good to yourself. You made it. You're on this rock. It's a crazy ride, but we're here. So thanks for joining us. Have a great holiday. We'll see if you want for one more episode before the end of the year. Spread love. Spread science. Live long and prosper. See you later. <laughs>